From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Two weeks ago, all we were hearing on this show was how excited fans were for the basketball team, the men's basketball team, and the word was they hadn't been this excited since 2010, Tony Barbie's last year. Well, now we had a two-hour edition of Minor Talk last night presented by the Roscoe Adietta Agency, and the question is, what the heck happened in the last two weeks to a team that was undefeated playing for the SoCal Challenge championship game. And since then, they've lost three straight, including last night on their home floor to Texas A&M Corpus Christi, a team that was 2-4 and four heading into last night's contest. But nonetheless, the Miners right now are reeling. They're searching for answers. Their head coach doesn't have any answers. And nobody seems to know what went down and what has happened to this basketball team. What a week. Think about it. Sunday, you got the news you're waiting for. Dana Dimmel out as head football coach. Here we are. It's Thursday. We don't have a list of finalists. We don't know anything yet about who is really in the running uh, or in the, I guess say the lead for the job. We've got guys going into the transfer portal left and right, which was to be expected. Although, um, losing Kelly Akari and Deion Hankins in the same day hurts. There's no doubt about that. It hurts. And men's basketball now is leaving minor fans with more questions than anything else. And from this basketball team has a chance to win and go back to the NCAA tournament, and it's the most exciting team we've seen in over 10 years, to... We don't know if Joe Golding is going to be able to get it done and will he be the next coach on the hot seat. It is wild, wild to think about how how quickly things have changed. Now, if you remember on this radio show, my my biggest thing I was preaching for men's basketball was let's pump the brakes on hoops. I know you're excited, but they played a couple of teams they were supposed to score 120 plus on. They did. And they won that game um, against UC Santa Barbara, which was big. But Austin P kind of concerned me a little bit with what we saw at the end of that game. And despite beating Cal, a game they probably should have won by 15 or 20, and they ended up winning by three uh, at the buzzer, uh, it has not been good since then. And Adrian, you handled minor talk last night along with Sal. Um was Zay there last night or was it No, we had Alberto night? here. With Alberto us. was yeah. there. Okay. But Alberto had a long day yesterday. I know, man. He did. He worked wow. a lot for us. He did. Appreciate that, man. Big A, thank you very much. But, hey, as far as uh, men's basketball, I mean, think about this, okay? If you're a UTEP fan right now, what is more concerning? The fact that Every major player is going into the portal for football, and you still don't know yet who could possibly be the new head coach of the team or a basketball team filled with excitement just two weeks ago now has fans scratching their head searching for answers. What is a bigger concern 
to UTEP Nation at this point? And that's my biggest question right now to start the show. Um, Once again, you have two choices. The football program where you're losing players to the portal and you really don't have any idea who's going to be the next head coach or the men's basketball team and how all of a sudden that team has done a 180 in the last couple of weeks. In your mind, what's bigger? Uh, what's a bigger concern right yeah. now as far as UTEP goes? In my, in my uh, opinion, there's not, it's not even close. It's the football uh, hire. They need to hire somebody now, Steve. I mean, it seems like the alley-oop is up. They just got to dunk it. Uh, Brennan Marion's still out there right now. All signs point to the fact that he wants the job. He wants to be here. And the more they wait, the more players will hit the portal, and the more guys will start to get offers who've been starters, who have playing time on this football team that's going to happen to all the players out there hitting the portal it's their right in fact I wouldn't be surprised if uh the previous coaching staff some of the coaches advised some of the guys specifically hey you should hit the portal because you could get xyz or you could do xyz at the next location now I I have not uh I would not be surprised if guys end up coming back to this football team once the hire is all said and done I agree but it's going to take some time now on the basketball side of things I said it last night I'll say it again uh the three-point percentage that's an issue uh you look at the turnovers since the Austin P game it seems like there is a a kind of pattern that's going on right now 14 against Austin P 13 turnovers against Cal 19 against Bradley 14 against Loyola Marymount and then 21 against Corpus Christi the reason why fans got excited against UC Santa Barbara when the Miners hel- uh, hosted them on that CBS Sports Network game was they played great. And I think what you've seen so far is the highs of the high and the lows of the low. And with Bradley, that second half of Bradley, they threw the kitchen sink out there and they looked like really competitive in that loss. But two back-to-back bad games for this basketball team, the Loyola Marymount game and the inexcusable loss yesterday. You you called them uh, one and four going into this one. Uh, They didn't really win any. I mean, those early season wins, those two wins that they had, Southwestern Adventist, uh, Dallas Christian, not Division One school, so they were really zero and four going into last night's game. Last night ends up being their first Division One win. My biggest concern is the coaches have no answer. They don't know what to do right now. Are you listen to Joe Golding after the game. You know, he said he can't. He's not going to be able to sleep for a couple of days. He's trying to figure it out. Like they don't know. That's that's the hardest part. Is that when you feel like you lose a game, but it could be corrected. That's okay. But when you've got a coach that's searching for answers like everybody else and not knowing really what to do, that's that's a concern. My thing is maybe there were some misevaluations on uh, the fact that they could roll with 10 to 12 deep. They might need to trim that rotation to seven to eight guys, and they might have to find out who that seven to eight guys really is, and that might be difficult for this group. Uh, yesterday you saw a lot of different rotations, a lot, a lot of rotations we haven't seen all season long, in fact, and the most prominent rotation featured Corey Camper at the one. He was handling the ball. Tay Hardy was at the two, along with Zid Powell, both of them kind of playing the hybrid two. Otis Frazier moved to the four, and then Calvin Solomon manned the center role at the five. So they went smaller on a lot of stretches last night, yet it felt like they were getting plays blown past them on defense, and then offensively could not hit an outside shot to save their lives, and the final possession was awful. I mean, the turnover on the final possession when you got to draw that up. Off a timeout. Yeah, and the pre Previous uh, defensive play when the guy grabs three straight offensive rebounds and then puts it back up to go up three points instead of just two points there at that at that situation. One on three. There was one guy grabbing rebound after rebound after in front of three minors. It, I, it just makes you wonder what's going on. You got to want it bad. You got to want it. 
I don't get it. I don't get it. All right. We're searching for answers. That's what it's all about here in the first hour of the show. In fact, we were going to bring Foss on today to talk Cowboys Seahawks. We'll do that tomorrow instead. We'll get a we'll get a recap from Foss with the Cowboys coming up tonight. The women coming up tonight. Utah basketball, their nine one five game against Colorado State. That's happening tonight. We also have Ben Wallace. He's going to be stopping by with Lane Frank during our five o'clock hour. Excited about them being together. Ben talking about the uh, N. Uh, is it the NIVC? I think that's what it's called. That's exactly right. Okay. And uh, laying our weekly chat. Let's get to the phones. Let's start it off. I mean, we got one line open, 505-6009. Um, we also have um, uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, open for you as well, at 600 ESPN El Paso. That is at 600 ESPN El Paso. We'll read those as well on the program today. Let's go to Kurt. Maybe he's got some answers for us. Kurt, maybe uh, can, can you uh, talk some sense into this radio show to start it off here on a Thursday? I'm going to try, Steve. How you doing? I'm well, thanks, Kurt. All right. First of all, I was at the game. I go to all the games. Uh, uh, I see a lot of reckless basketball going on, Steve. Uh, a lot of careless uh, passing. The turnovers are too high. It's just it's out of control basketball. It's not, and that, this goes on the coach. So, and Zid Powell, he's talented. He's not a true point guard. He drives the lane all the time. Drives into traffic, and you know he just wants to play this reckless basketball. Um, you know, it's just the free throws are, are still in the free throws. They're, they're not good at that. Um, and the last, last possession, they didn't, that one guy from the, he, he got the rebound and three guys watching. So it's the end of the game and they're, they're watching instead of going after the ball. So I see that no, no hustle, no, no want to to go after it. So this is just, there's no, no fire on them. And, and this, this, this goes to Golding. Well, Kurt, yeah, how did it change? Have, how did it change? Because when the season started, Okay, what were we saying? Passing the ball all over the place, making shot after shot. They were having right. fun. They were just looking different. They had lots of energy. They had lots of confidence. They had some swagger. They had some attitude. Yeah. How did all of that change in the last three games as quickly as it did? That's a good question, Steve. That California trip did a number on them, you know. I mean, they played well. And, and most of those two games, except for LMU, but they come back here and they lay an egg against this Corpus Christi team. Uh, is, is that's a good question because there's no reason for that kind of play last night. No reason at all. I agree with you. I agree. Kurt, appreciate the call. Good start. Let me go to Orly. He's next. He'll join us here as Sports Talk continues. 505-6009, our telephone number. Orly, good afternoon. A couple things. First of all, they're not playing the two schools they played early in the season. A little better competition. Santa Barbara didn't have their leading score. That's true. When they came down. And so you look at the scheduling. And, yeah, you got a little cocky. You're scoring 123 against nobodies. You just made a comment about Austin P. Hey, I mean, uh, Corpus really hadn't played anybody either. Well, neither had I. Neither had UTEP at the beginning. I think it all came back to bite them. They got a little cocky. Uh, let's see what happens. I got a quick question, though. I wanted to get off that. So I'm, I'm hoping we get a, a coach here pretty quick. Okay. Uh, I, uh, but I want the conference USA. Now, if SMU beats Tulane, which could happen, and Liberty beats New Mexico State, does that put Liberty in one of the big bowls? I would, they'd have the highest rank. They would yeah. have the highest rank. I believe yeah. that's the way the rules work. The school with the highest ranking 
would get a chance to play in the New Year's uh, in the New Year's Six. So the key is cheer for Liberty and cheer for SMU. What's good for Conference USA? Interesting, but that is probably here, that is probably the way to go. That's because you want to cheer for the conference. I mean, New Mexico State's had a great season, though. I am so shocked that they want to go to the New Mexico Bowl. They deserve a better bowl than that. Why would you settle for a New Mexico Bowl when you've got a 10-3 and record? You deserve to play at a better bowl. Well, I I'll tell you right now. New Mexico. New Mexico Bowl, to me, is a secondary bowl. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt. But, I mean, you also know that there probably would be 10,000 fans coming up from Las Cruces to Albuquerque to go watch the New Mexico Bowl. You understand that, but don't you think the kids deserve a nicer trip? They've been to Albuquerque to play New Mexico. You deserve a better bowl. That's just, I think they deserve a, a chance at a nicer bowl. Go to the Armed Forces Bowl somewhere nice to get away to see, have a nice celebration, or you get picked up at the airport, you don't bust in. That's all I'm saying. These are better. So let's look at this for a second, okay? Let's look at this. Number one, um, they've got four guaranteed bowl tie-ins, okay? The the four they have are the New Orleans Bowl against the Sun Belt, the New Mexico Bowl against the Mountain West, the Bahamas Bowl against the MAC. And the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl versus the American Athletic Conference. Well, I guess the Armed Forces Bowl would probably be the one that would be the most fun because then you can go up to Dallas and go watch that game. Absolutely. I think that's the better bowl. For, but that's my opinion. I think they deserve a better choice. Yeah. Another thing real quick. What about the 49ers being three-and-a-half-point favorites? Crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. I mean, I understand Philadelphia has not played well. They should have lost the last three games, but they're finding ways to win. Do I think the 49ers can go in there? Sure, I do. I think they're built to go on the road. But this is going to be this is the game of the year. This is the it's a true first test for both teams. I think. So, um, I don't know I, if I would call. I don't know if I would say that the Buffalo game was not a test for the Philadelphia Eagles, especially as great as that game was. So you said it's the first test. I mean, you got to understand, the Eagles in the last two weeks, are uh, in the three weeks, last three weeks, they beat the Cowboys by five, they beat the Chiefs on the road by four, and they beat the Bills by three. I feel like the Eagles Eagles have been tested each of the last three weeks. No, I meant the 49ers. This is a okay. true test for them. Yeah, for them, yes. This is a, this is a true first test. Um, so we'll find out what happens yeah. on Sunday. That's they a good – you know what? I understand that. That's yeah. a good point, by the way. That is a good point. I mean, they, you know, they've played the Seahawks. They played the Cowboys. They played the Bengals. Um, and they've played the uh, – let's see who else that's worth a, worth a crap. Well, the Jaguars are going to probably win yeah. the AFC South. Yeah, right? Jaguars. That's yeah. Right. I mean, those are good games. Yeah. But look – um, in the next couple of weeks, you've got Eagles, Seahawks again. Cardinals are a gimme. The Ravens will be a good game. I mean, and then and then the the Commanders on the road and the Rams at home are a joke. So really, hey, 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 you hey, know, I'm hey. oh, sorry about that. Sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to. Say, uh, yeah, low blow, low it's blow. True, though. Yeah, yeah, it's true though. It's true though. Hey, truth hurts sometimes. All right, yeah, guys. Yeah. All right, guys. You have a good weekend. Appreciate the call. You too. All right. 
How'd you like that Rams flag I gave you? Oh yesterday? man, that's tough. Yeah, I love it. I actually hung it in my office. It's it's there. Nice. Yes, I love it. Not Thank too you, big man. for the office, huh? Oh, it is big. Okay. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little in your face, but it's All okay. Right. Good. Well, thank nine one five sports and novelties. Thank you. I All love right. them. They took care of that. All right, eighteen past the hour. Good to have you on board here. Five zero five six zero zero nine. We've cleared the phones. We've got them open for you as we head over to Charlie One. Let's get our first uh, of many uh, traffic updates here this afternoon. Twenty two past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Five zero five six zero zero nine. That is our telephone number. Five zero five. Six zero zero nine. Do we have a minor talk mashup today? You know what? I have it almost done. So maybe it'll be in the second hour. We've got awards. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We've got our hot hand of the game, and we also have our uh, Timothy Cantrell player of the game. Why don't we start with that from uh, last night? Uh, let's begin first. Uh, hot hand of uh, the game, and every game is from Wind Supply El Paso. Uh, Rene Tidez and company and uh, champion uh, heating and cooling. In fact, the weather is starting right now to um, cool off in a big way. You wake up in the morning, 30s and 40 degree temperatures. At night, you need something to keep you nice and toasty, which would be a, a great uh, heater from uh, champion heating and cooling in Wind Supply El Paso. In fact, if you want to find uh, your nearest dealer, just go to the Find a Dealer tab at windsupplyelpaso.com. Who is our hot hand of the game? Okay, I'm, I'm crediting Sal Montes for this one. Kevin Callu is the hot hand of the game. Steve, I'll be honest with you. His first half wasn't that impressed. Second half, he came onto the scene really nicely. He kind of shrugged off what happened in the first half, uh, which was missing a, a free throw like we've seen in the past before, but he made six points in the second half and helped charge the Miners back when they really had nothing. Eight points, four for four for shooting. He only played 17 minutes, though, which is they kind of needed a big man down low who's going who's gonna to grab rebounds and help them out defensively, and he didn't play down the stretch. Five rebounds for him, also two steals for Kevin Callu. He gets the hot hand of the game. We've been harsh on him, but he was plus six in terms of efficiency, was uh, UTEP's second leading most efficient player in plus-minus yesterday. Good. We needed that. So that's good. Happy to hear it. Let's do player of the game, and that's brought to you by Timothy Cantrell, who is selling the dream one property at a time. In fact, uh, Timothy is your trusted real estate agent with over 20 years of experience. He's got it all. Knowledge, dedication, resources. And if you want to get uh, in touch with Timothy, you can call him today, 915-204-8441 for Timothy Cantrell. Who is our uh, player of the game? It's going to Otis Frazier, 16 points, 3 of 7 shooting, but he got everything from the free throw line, 9 for 14, uh, which isn't the greatest uh, percentage right there, but they needed some points, and he got boards for them as well. Five rebounds, and he had a steal in 29 minutes of action. Otis Frazier, the third, instead of celebrating instead of talking about anything uh, being the leading scorer in the postgame interview. He talked about how this team needs to get better, talked about how he needs to provide veteran leadership. And so for that, Otis Frazier III gets the first ever player of the game award, at least that we've given to him uh, here on this show. So he gets the award. Good. Good answers. I like that. Good stuff uh, from uh, last night. Checking uh, the app at 600 ESPN El Paso or mobile app. Stretch 915 gets in. Really, Steve? You're going to bat? The Rams haven't been on in a couple of months, and this is what I return to. Sorry, Stretch. I didn't realize Stretch 915 was a Rams fan. 
Is that your alter ego, Maybe. or is that uh, is that really somebody else that calls himself Stretch Nine One Five? You know, I need a burner so I could start tweeting a lot of Ram stuff. In fact, they're five and six uh, right now. They win this weekend against the Browns. They're six and six suddenly, and back in the wild card race. Hey, Stretch, let me tell you this, okay? I might bash the Rams, but they're a lot better than my New York Jets. Four and seven. I I, I started laughing when I heard the news that uh, Aaron Rodgers has returned to practice this week. Uh, yeah, a little too late there. Uh, number eight, little too late. The Jets are probably out of uh, any potential postseason dreams, and I don't even know why they're why why Aaron's even coming back now. It, does, it makes no sense. So, uh, as as tough as it's been for the Rams, could be worse. Could be a Jets fan like me. Stretch. So, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, Steve. Don't apologize. No reason to apologize for a team that that stinks. I mean, you know, they I, they should blame themselves for that. That's all they have. Um, these other messages came in. Robert El Paso. Hello. Well, hi, Robert. Thanks for getting in. I appreciate that. I always like it when people on the app start off with a, a nice hello. That is good. It really is. So, Robert, thank you for that. Cordial. He is very cordial. Hello. Um, hello, Robert. So, if Golding has another season like last year, will he be on the hot seat? All right, Robert, here's the problem with that, okay? We didn't even know if the Miners could afford a buyout of their head football coach, right? Well, Joe's got two more years after this year. We know for sure there is absolutely no way they can afford that buyout under any circumstances. So is he on the hot seat? I don't know. I mean, I don't think they they can't afford to buy. They're not going to buy out Joe uh, anytime soon. So it's weird. But here's what I will say about Joe Golding, okay? If they don't win and they have a disappointing season, let's just say this season spirals out of control like last year, okay? Um, attendance is going to suck. Um, and I got news for you. If Joe Golding doesn't figure out a way to win here, um, you know, not only is the Utah basketball program in trouble, but Joe Golding as a coach will be in trouble. I mean, don't expect Joe to be getting any more head coaching jobs if he can't win at UTEP. So... I feel like, you know, for Joe, like most coaches in the past here at UTEP, they all have aspirations of one day coaching uh, a, uh, you know, in um, a high major for college basketball. And the only way you're going to ever be a head coach for a high major is to win at UTEP. Just see Billy Gillespie, Doc Sadler, and Tony Barbie. Um, Rodney Terry did it the hard way. He left with years on the table to become an assistant coach. And as luck would have it, the man he was working for got into a scandal, and suddenly Rodney became the head coach, parlayed it into a tournament run, and now cashed in like he won the lottery. All right? That never happens. Let's be honest. What Rodney Terry did is a one-in-a-million situation. So we got to look more about Billy Gillespie, Doc Sadler, and Tony Barbie. Point is, they all parlayed the UTEP job into a bigger job because they won here. So if you're Tony Barbie and you have any interest whatsoever in ever wanting to be a head coach in a high major program, you have to win at UTEP. There is no other alternatives. And trust me when I tell you, Adrian, despite the fact that he might have spent over a decade at Abilene Christian, I'm sure Joe, like a lot of us, has dreams of you know coaching in the big time. So yes, I would think... That for him, there is no um, 
There is no other way to do it. So I don't expect uh, Joe to be cashing checks and doing nothing these next couple of seasons. I feel like he will do whatever it takes to try to turn this program around so the Miners can win, and eventually he could punch his ticket out of here if that's what he wants to do. So interesting to note, in the spring, it'll be the 10th year that he's coached uh, a or been a head coach, right? So this is year three at UTEP. He was 20-14 and 14 his first season with a lot of Rodney Terry recruits last year a losing season 14 and 18 overall this year uh he felt like it was his most talented bunch he felt like he had a lot of depth and he might still have that depth but it's up to the coaching staff to develop a game plan that's going to work moving forward look I, I don't put anything any stock into the monday game against western new mexico really don't put a lot of stock in the oregon game on the road next week with the exception that i actually want them to fight and want them to show some life in that game i put all the stock in that sunday December 17th road trip to Abilene Christian. Yep. And I don't want to say that one right there uh, makes me concerned. It makes me hit the panic button on this coaching staff. But I think if they lose that one or if they struggle in that one and have a bad outing, then you're going to have some question marks on things moving forward because that's a program that UTEP needs to be better than. That's the bottom line. I don't care what kind of program they have. UTEP should have a high standard to always be better than Abilene Christian at home or away. I would say the same thing about beating Texas A&M Corpus Christi oh, on your home court. Right. And the truth is, uh, if they play like they did last night against anybody, they're not going to win. So they better figure it out soon. Otherwise, uh, it is gonna, it's going to get tougher and tougher and tougher because you're going to start to lose the players as the losing streak continues. Yeah, and I mean, we thought of this backcourt to be one of the more talented backcourts in Conference USA, but if they can't uh, mesh, and I'm talking about Tay Hardy, Zid Powell, and if you want to throw Corey Camper and David Terrell in that conversation too, sure. But if you want to uh, talk about the depth that they have at the backcourt and call them the best backcourt in Conference USA, I feel like they're far uh, they're far away from that right now, and they need to get back on the right track to do it consistently, night in and night out. We've seen the upside in what it could be, yep. but let's see it night in, night out. That's true. 32 past, 505-6009, our telephone number. Let's get right back to Adrian in this Sports Center update. Follow-up message and reminded me that uh, they installed my bed when we ordered the bed uh, a few years back from um, our friends at Copenhagen Furniture. So thank you, Stretch, for that reminder. I do remember you and your brother, and I should have remembered that that was you using the Stretch 915 handle on our mobile app. So I do remember that. You were, we had a lot of fun. We talked a lot of sports, and I just sometimes don't always put two and two together as quickly as I should, but I do appreciate that stretch. Stretch, one of these days you and Adrian need to have a, a Rams talk because the two of you are big Rams fans. There you go. You guys would have a, a, a great time together. All right, uh, as we continue here on Sports Talk, let's go next to Daniel. He joins us here on the program. Daniel, what's up? Not much. Good to hear from you. Um who are we getting for the Sun Bowl? From the Pac-10, or the Pac-12, or the Pac-2, I should call it, the Pac-2. Um, it's going to be either USC or Oregon State, according to everything we just heard from Bernie uh, on Tuesday. And as far as the ACC goes, most likely one of the following four teams. Miami, Duke, Georgia Tech, or Virginia Tech. I'd like to see Oregon State and Duke. Maybe you will. That could be. You know, it's funny. That is the matchup that you might get because, believe it or not, they both lost their head coaches. Uh, in fact, Oregon lost like half their staff. It was crazy what happened to them. 
but you know the players are still there. So you very well, and they have a nice young nucleus. You might very well get your wish and see uh, Oregon State and Duke here on the 29th. It's been a long time since Oregon State's been here. Um, less than ten years, but it has been a little while. So yeah, I'm trying to remember the last time Oregon State was in the Sun Bowl. Adrian, let's see if we can pull that. Yeah, out. I'll get that for you. So, but I, I'm with you on that. That would be fun. I'm with you, um, especially since every time USC comes here, we always get the articles about how they don't want to be here. And yeah, I, I, yeah 2008. There okay, you go. so oh, 15 years, three nothing, the riveting game. Ah, the classic three nothing game from 08. All right, so yeah, you know what? 15 years is long enough. It would be good to get a little uh, beaver fever over here in El Paso. I like that. Appreciate the phone call, Daniel. Thanks for getting in today. All right. 505-6009, our telephone number here on Sports Talk. Did you like that game, the 3 nothing game? I was there. Me too. I was 10 years old. Really? Yeah, 11, 12, uh, 10, 11. Yeah. Man. I remember it. Yeah. I do too. I just was watching the game wondering if anybody would ever score. That was the biggest. That was my biggest takeaway for that particular Sun Bowl. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was like back and forth, punting, punting, a lot of defense. Uh, and the funny thing about it is just two years before that, Oregon State came here, put up a lot of points, and uh, that one, well, it was just a 3 nothing game between them and Pitt. True enough. More line ringing in. Uh, we've got uh, two lines open right now, 37 past the hour. 505-6009, that is our telephone number as we continue here on the show. Uh, coming up, we will have, to begin our 5 o'clock hour, Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com, who, by the way, lived up to his uh, word. He did do a live pie-eating contest video from the Macy's Thanksgiving uh, Parade where um, I was a little surprised by the results. I really was. I thought for sure that uh, when it was all said and done, the Huckleberry Pie would end up winning. But Adrian, the cherry pie stole the Lee Sterling Thanksgiving uh, pie eating contest. Yeah, hopefully no one put a lot of money on the other one, which, what did he say, a minus 120 favorite, minus 130 favorite? What did he say, something like that? Yeah, I think it was like minus 130. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully no one put any money on that one right there. Uh, I know, I know. Uh, We had Rob on the line, but we lost him. So, Rob, give us a call back. We'd love to hear from you. 38 now past the hour. Come back with more in a moment. We'll have a busy 5 o'clock hour, and then we'll get you right up till uh, kickoff for the Cowboys in Seattle. Coming up right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. I feel like the coaching right now, Adrian, is just trying to throw anything they can at like a board and see what sticks. I feel like that's where they're at these last two games. Our callers on Minor Talk continue to point out that there is no true point guard, and and I hear where they're coming from on that. But I I say in college basketball nowadays, there are not a lot of teams who have a true point guard. Maybe UTEP does need a true point guard in the way that they're trying to run things in their program. However, I'm still not out. Uh, on Zid Powell being on ball. I'm not out on Corey Camper being on ball. They just need to do it more consistently. That's the bottom line. Ronnie said, he was like, you know, Tay Hardy can't be Batman. He's got to be Robin Mm -hmm. when it's all said and done. And they have to have another guy step up, whether it's Powell or he called it Powell. You could also throw Calvin Solomon in that same conversation as well. Point is, he was saying that uh, Hardy still needs to be Robin. I don't know if that's true either. I I think that Powell is the guy for them, in my opinion, best 
skill guy, yeah. but they also need Hardy to make shots. You didn't mention David Terrell. He plays 11 minutes last night. Joe Golding loves him, talks him up, talks about his defenses ahead of his offense. Well, guess what? He was 3-for-3 three three from the floor yesterday in his 11 minutes of play. So it wasn't like he was 0-for-3. He took three shots, made them. So, you know, if, da- if David Terrell was supposed to be brought in here as the freshman point guard to help really run the team, why all of a sudden is he not even in the conversation these last couple games? Yeah, and you can have the same conversation about Elijah Jones. He's averaged over uh, 10 minutes a game every single game and had just three minutes yesterday. Mm-hmm. You're right. All right, let's go to the phones. we got lines ringing in all over the place, and we'll begin with um, Ra, actually David, who joins us. Hi, David. How are you? Hey, what's going on, Cappy? Talk uh, to me, David. Quick, as, as far as that Oregon State game goes, yeah. or if they were to come, they're going to come without DJ, their quarterback, so I don't know how good that uh, the game would be with them in here. Yeah, DJ, that's that's true. Has he already gone into the portal? Yeah, he already yeah. got in today. All right, that's yeah, that's tough. That is tough. So additionally, okay, so let's talk about UTEP. You know, I'm I'm not too high on Golding. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right now. I'm not too high. I know it's early in the season. Why is he using twelve players when you know offensively you cannot get into rhythm if you're playing three, four minutes, five minutes here, two minutes. I mean, he needs to shorten up his his roster or his lineup, yeah. and let these guys start playing well. Like last night, for example, at the end of the game, they had a 6-7 center. Why didn't he have Kalu there at the end of the game to get that critical rebound at the end when they when the offense got like three rebounds for Corpus Christi? We had a 6-7 guy playing center. I mean, that that's well, that's high school size right there. I, I just uh, He's in over his head. He, he, I think he's thinking too much. The play he called yesterday took way too long to execute. They didn't have enough time. And I, I don't think uh, it's just like a helter-skelter type of uh, team, just everybody yeah. running with a chicken. They look like their heads are cut off and just running everywhere. And he needs to shorten up his, his, his offense his lineup, and then work on his offense. David, two weeks ago, this was the best team on the floor that UTEP's had since 2010. What's happened since then? What's happened is that he's using too many guys, Kepi. He cannot have his players are not getting into rhythm. And additionally, they don't have a go-to guy. If you don't have outside shooting, you have to have a slasher. They don't have a slasher. Okay, so we, don't have po- we need a post player. They don't have a post player. So it's just a bad combination. He can't figure it out. I think a lot of teams, he was catching them kind of early. You know, he was putting a lot of pressure. And... Um, I just don't know. It looks like it's uh, he's, he's got to get he's got to get this worked out, Cap. Because if not, he's going to be in another uh, you know tough season for Utah basketball. Appreciate you, David. Thanks for the phone call. Hey, Adrian, give me your reaction to that before we go to Fernie. It's interesting because even Joe Golding talked about it last night. Maybe it's eight. He he even used the numbers eight nine versus what they've really been rolling with, and that's ten eleven twelve. Mm-hmm. However, they will go small. So to his point about having a six seven uh, center, Calvin Solomon's just going to have to play better. They're asking so much from him defensively, and he's going to have to rise up and play even better than what they're asking from. Well, first off, you've got Kevin Kalu. You have um, also Hamilton. You've got big bodies. It's not like they don't have big bodies. They do. Yeah, and Hamilton got a DNP last night. 
Yeah. No, he didn't play. And then Dos Anjos hardly played either. So uh, you got guys last night like Garrett Levesque playing a couple minutes. Uh, Sebastian Cole playing nine minutes last night. Both walk-ons right there. Not knocking that rotation right there, but I think they're trying to figure stuff out and trying to see if what they those guys have. Exactly. And they're getting stuff from those guys at practice. It's just not translating to the game. Okay. Let's go back to the phones. We'll say hello to Fernie. He's next up at Sports Talk. Continues. 505 Hey, Fernie, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? Man, that was that was disgusting yesterday, man. That was just like watching last year. It was just, it was hard to watch. It was just everything that occurred in that game was just, you know, every everything that happened last year it was like deja vu. Yeah, I mean that's again. You're right. It is like deja vu. You lose to an inferior team. You have a subpar effort on the floor, and uh, you've got uh, right now a, a team that again to me the biggest takeaway they've lost their confidence and they lost their swagger and they lost it over like they a two game period. Hey Steve, and that's the way they looked too around the court. They just looked. I mean, just. I mean, they weren't up tempo. They were. They were just looking exactly what you're describing. Yeah, it's you know? uh, it, again, it's hard, Fernie, because um, this team just had the. I mean, look, I watched the video of that locker room celebration on the buzzer beater from Tay Hardy when they beat Cal, and the entire team looked like they were ready to just celebrate and and just take the next step. And if you think about it, look what happened since then. They play Bradley tough. They never give up, but they lose. They lay a huge egg on the road to Loyola Marymount a few days later, and then they come back home last night, and they just continue where they left off on Saturday, except it was on their home floor to Texas A&M Corpus Christi. That's the problem right now. The team just is, you know, they've they lost any kind of – of confidence that they had through the first five, six games of the season. Hey, on another note, so so we're going to lose Hankins, but I mean, look, if he can if he can go to a better school to get a master's degree, you know, more power to him. Mean, he's he's given us given us a lot of a lot of years, and you know, I mean, I don't blame the, the kid. And but wait a minute, did did Akari also jump into the portal? Yeah, Kelly Akari went. Kelly Akari went in today uh, too. They lost them both man, in the that, same day. That's probably going to hurt the most. I agree with you. Fernie, I agree. And I appreciate the call. Um, I mean, look, Akari was the 1,000-yard receiver. Deion Hankins was the battering ram the last few years. But, Adrian, something that a lot of our listeners might not know but they need to understand, okay? And that is, if Deion Hankins gets offers from Power Fives with significant money for him and his family, that can absolutely be something that he is in desperate need of to make sure that he's able to uh, help provide for the family right now. Yeah, and just capitalize on it. Your name, image, likeness. He's done a great job of all his NIL stuff here at UTEP. He's one of the few guys who does capitalize on NIL stuff left and right. I would think that losing Dion is the the bigger loss, though, between the two, knowing that he is the touchdown back. He's almost like a pillar that you could build on if you have a new coaching staff here and having guys, uh, him, kind of pave the way for everybody else and be a leader for everybody else. So I would think Dion is the tougher loss between him and Kelly. One hour in the books. When we come back, Lee Sterling, uh, Lane Frank, and also Ben Wallace. Busy, busy 5 o'clock hour, so stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. The Piano Man. Billy Joel. I saw him at Madison Square Garden, June of 2022. Took a trip with the family to New York specifically to see Billy 
One of my favorites since I was a kid. I think the first record I ever bought was The Stranger in like 1979, I think. 52nd Street had just come out, but I always liked The Stranger. I wanted it. So I picked that one up. That was my first ever uh, ever record purchase. It's like six. And uh, finally got a chance. I've seen Billy and, and Elton John together. Saw them on the face-to-face tour in 94. But Adrian, going to see him and taking my wife and son to Madison Square Garden and sitting uh, you know, on the floor about 35 rows from the stage, that was, that was phenomenal. That sounds like uh, a bucket list type of concert. It was, for sure. That's exactly what I called it. Exactly what I called it. Well, our next guest saw Billy Joel while he was in New York, but a little bit of a different story to talk about. He is Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com for our weekly chat. Lee, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great. I mean, one of the greatest weeks of my life. I mean, <laughs> it started, so I saw the finals. Uh, well, so I actually saw both games on Monday. I saw Louisville, Indiana, which wasn't bad, and then Texas against UConn. UConn is insane. I they mean, are. I mean, their athleticism, their size. Now I see why Miami, as soon as when they played them, a bunch of those kids from Miami, they got into the lane, and you got a couple seven-footers. <laughs> and you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> think I'm in trouble. And they shoot lights out. I mean, Texas is good, but it was just it was a different level. And then Wednesday, I take my wife to Billy Joel. And it was great. I mean, it was, just, uh, was he a top 10 favorite? No, but probably top 20, 25 for me. And there you go. Something I had to see, especially before you know he ends up retiring. But we're leaving, and we walked maybe two blocks to catch an Uber. We're leaving as the last song is ending to beat the crowd. And we walked a couple blocks, and then we had to wait. Our Uber driver couldn't really find us. He was on the wrong side. And then we go a block after we get in, and who pulls up next to us? And I sent you the picture, Billy Joel, with his window down. And if you look closely, if you open up the picture, he's got a cigar. He's getting ready to smoke a cigar. And my wife had a conversation with him for about a minute, minute and a half. It was, it just, you know, well, made it. I, it. You know what? You know what I love about that, by the way. That means the minute the show is over, he yep. gets into a car to get the heck out of Madison Square Garden. But he has his windows down. Yeah, he, I mean, the 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 his bodyguard had the window down. He had the window down, as you can see. And it wasn't like he was in a Rolls Royce or anything special. It was a it was in a, like a suburban or something. And then um, the next day, the parade is. 53, 54 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. We do the pie judging contest. It was great. It was, have you, you've been to the parade then, obviously, right? Um, parade, no. I left one no. day as they were blowing up the floats the night before okay. and had a chance to see everything on the street the night. We we actually flew out the, the morning of Thanksgiving, but when we walked around, um, you know, basically Times Square and, uh, and Midtown, we saw all the floats still wrapped up, but okay. blowed up, ready to go for the next day. Okay, so what was interesting was I expected it to be like 15, 20 people deep. Both sides, thirty-five or forty. Mm. It was in, it was insane. You know, it had rained about thirty-six hours uh, until about seven or eight o'clock the night before. It was just so beautiful, so amazing. And then Friday, I go to get see my dolphins. 
destroy the Jets and see all those miserable fans. I mean, they, uh, they're they not in your face at all. Not like Philadelphia. Who else is bad? What else would you, would you say is bad? I'm trying to think of Philly is bad. They, probably the worst. But uh, dominated there. We take the train back, and we literally, you get out of the station. We came out of the right uh, exit. All we did was literally turn about 10 yards and went right straight into the garden. Got to see that game. The ending wasn't great. The heat was up by 18 going into the, I think, 10 minutes to go in the game and blew it. But just the, just the, you know, the excitement and the energy in that building and MSG for a Knicks oh, yeah. game was, was incredible. And then the next day we go to Brooklyn to see the Heat. They didn't play anyone. The game wasn't great. But if you're young, if you're under 40 years old, you would love Brooklyn. I mean, Jay-Z is part owner. The dancing they have going on. The music is great. My kids loved it. And before that... We went to Lucali, one of the top uh, pizza places in the country, and had a pie there before the game. So other than the Heat losing two games, really doesn't matter much during the regular season. Perfect trip. Perfect trip for you. did it any better. Yeah, you did it right. And by the way, uh, congratulations to the Cherry Pie winning the annual pie eating contest. You (laughs) put the video up on your uh, Twitter handle. I enjoyed that as well. I thought Huckleberry was going to win. I was shocked when you... Gave us the results. Maybe it was because I haven't had I haven't had a cherry pie in so long. Could be, could be. Yeah, could be. I'm with you. All right, we've got uh, three college games to talk about and two NFL games. Let's jump right to it. I'm excited about the game you started us off with, and that's Boise okay. State and UNLV battling it out in the Mountain West Championship. Uh, we'll play Boise State minus two and a half, and uh, UNLV, one of the great stories of the year in college football. Incredible. I mean, this is a team that loses their starting quarterback, brand-new head coach in Barry Odom, and they make it to the championship game. Are you kidding me? People have been waiting like 30, 40 years for them to be good since Randall Cunningham. And I don't even know if they were good then. They're 10-2 and two also against the spread. But all of a sudden, some chinks in the armor. They allowed 233 yards rushing to San Jose State, who – doesn't even have a, a, a running quarterback. They have a running back tandem of Genty and Halani, who are really good, plus a dual-threat quarterback in Taylor Green. I think they're going to do a number here on UNLV. I just think different level of talent. I like Boise State here, 38-28. All right. That takes us to game yep. number two, Texas and Oklahoma State. Longhorns, 15-and-a-half-point favorites. It's gone up a point since yesterday. Look, Texas has had a terrific season. They got screwed by the uh, by the championship uh, playoffs, but they're eleven and one, eight and one in the Big Twelve. Oklahoma State is nine and three, seven and two in the Big Twelve. Um, I'm just wondering, is this a trap game? You tell me. For Texas fans, is OK State a trap game? Well, let me ask you this: What do you think, talent wise? There's 13 teams in the Big Twelve. Talent wise, where do you, where would you put this Oklahoma State team? Ooh, now that's a good question because I thought you were going to say you were going to ask me about Texas, and if that was the case, I would have said I'm not talking number, about how good they are. One. Talent wise, talent wise, talent wise, I I would probably say maybe three behind Oklahoma and Texas. 
I see. I think talent wise, they're seven or eight. Oh, you do? Okay. I, I think I don't think they have much talent on the team. I just think that it's been one of the great coaching jobs. They, they. If you look at, if you watch them, the first couple games, I was shaking my head. I thought this was the least talented team. I didn't say the worst team. I said the least talented team in probably twenty, twenty-five years. But they improved. Really good coaching, and. I still don't know if they're the, the second or third best team. They might be the fourth or fifth best team in the conference. I think Texas is putting it all together. And remember, they need style points. They might have to win this game by three or four touchdowns to get in. I think Texas is better offensively, defensively, special teams. I know they lost the last two years. I think they're going to lay one on this Oklahoma State team who's struggled last two weeks. They were down by two touchdowns to Houston, came back and won, and then down by two touchdowns to BYU. This might be the worst BYU team since the mid-'70s. I think Texas wins this game 41-13. You've seen Ollie Gordon play, I hope. I have. Six, almost 1,600 yards, 20 touchdowns, and he's a sophomore. First of the year, he was nothing. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes... blocking. I, yeah. I don't know what it was, but... I, I turned to a friend. We were watching the game. Uh, I'm like, I'm going to go against them every week. And then they got better and better. And I'm like, you know what? I went from going against them early to staying away and then riding them for a couple weeks. All right. Let's wrap it up with Georgia-Alabama. SEC title game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Uh, Bama 11-1, and perfect in the SEC. Georgia 12-0, and perfect in the SEC. Right. Uh, this is a big one for a lot of reasons. If Alabama wants to have any shot at going to the uh, to the playoffs, they got to win this game, and, and then that will probably uh, help their case in a big way. Um, I've seen Jalen Milrow grow and grow, and that miracle ending to Auburn save their season for now. Uh, Georgia, you just wonder, are they ever due for a loss? They've been terrific, and they're five-and-a-half-point favorites. You know, everyone's talking about both teams struggled. I mean, people don't realize Georgia only won 31-23, but no one's talking about it because Alabama's come back fourth and 31 with that shocking touchdown. Now, Mario Cristobal, the coaching bonehead play of maybe not just the year, the decade, not taking the knee, but Auburn rushing two guys with a spy has to be number two. Do you agree? Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. we're on the same page. So I just think that George is under the radar. I think they're due for a bad game. And Bama's beat them, believe it or not, even though George has won 29 straight, Bama's won seven of the last eight in the series here. I think both offensive and defensive lines are kind of a push. But I think Jalen Milrose, not just his escapability, his ability to buy time and to extend plays, I think is a big factor because – this Georgia defense gave up 4.9 yards per carry the last two weeks to Tennessee and Georgia Tech. Alabama's averaging almost six yards per carry here. Also in the red zone, Alabama's offense ranked number 19, Georgia just number 67. I think the motivation is huge also. I like Bama outright, 27-23. All right, that takes us to the NFL. Let's start with Houston hosting the Broncos. They're both 6-5. and five. Texans are 4-2 and two at home. Denver's 2-2 two and two on the road. It's at uh, NRG Stadium in Houston. The Texans are three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Broncos. Denver looks like a much different team over the last uh, 
four or five weeks. They've really put it together. And meanwhile, Houston trying to pick up the pieces following that 24-21 loss to Jacksonville at home last week. I never thought we was we were going to be talking about these two teams this late in the season, especially the way the season started. But incredible what Denver's done. They, I mean, they were 1-5. They got 70 points scored on them. They gave up over 700 yards in that game. I think Sean Payton's coach of the year right now. What he's done with Russell Wilson, 20 touchdowns, just four interceptions. I thought he was a bottom three, bottom four quarterback in the NFL last year. thought he was done. And the defense from nowhere, they've caused 15 turnovers the last four games. That's the best stretch in 34 years. They're plus 13 in takeaway giveaways over the last five games. The Broncos also ran the ball on the Cleveland Browns, a team that's given up the fewest yards per game. They gained 169 yards last week. I asked a good friend of mine who's a Houston fan. I said, okay, tell me, we're in the gym, tell me what, what the positive is about Houston. He goes, C.J. Stroud. I said, I agree, 100%. Mm-hmm. Who else? said, Nico Collins. Boom. Yep. Who else? In a blank stare. That was it. They still have a lot of weaknesses here. I like uh, Denver outright 26-20. All right, that takes us to the final game this week, and it's the game everybody's talking about, 49ers and Eagles. Eagles are 10-1, and 5-0 and at home. Niners are 8-3, and 4-2 and on the road. San Fran's look good as of late, but are they looking good enough to be a three-point favorite at Philly? Eagles are 10-1, and Lee. They beat Buffalo in a classic uh, last week, and yet here they are, three-point underdogs at home. How about this? Ten and one, last four games, they've been outstated. They've had yardage differentials of minus one twenty seven, minus ninety eight, minus one fourteen, and minus ninety eight. And also in all four games some very favorable calls by the officials. They've got some problems on the back end. They are number 15 in scoring. I know they're number one in run defense, but they just can't make up for their linebackers, which are not great in space tackling and covering. And they're number 16 in yards per play allowed. This is the game. I talked to some people I know in San Francisco's organization. This is their circle game. They all offseason have trained for this. Kyle Shanahan, one of the best play callers. When they lost Brock Purdy in that game, they got smashed 31-7. to they also lost Josh Johnson, who wasn't any good. They had to play Christian McCaffrey in the second half of quarterback. They want this game. They are going to get their revenge here. Philadelphia is going to get exposed. I like San Francisco big. Remember this, when Brock Purdy has had Trent Williams at left tackle mm-hmm. and Debo Samuel receiver, have not lost a game this year. San Francisco, 34-17. Take us to ParamountSports.com. 10 of 14. That's 10 of 14. You've been winning. You just got that 40-unit play you hit on last week. And meanwhile, December starts tomorrow, which means double down December will be underway for everybody. Yep, they want to get involved. 10 out of 14 winning weeks in college. We only had two losing Sundays in the NFL. No one can match that record. Last year, when we had double down December, the promotion that starts today and goes through December 31st, it was 497, and it includes the championship week in college football. I think there's like 34, 35 games, or maybe even 36. 
through December 31st. You get all those games plus five weeks of the NFL, not 497 or 397 like it was last year, $297. Lowest price ever. Get it for 297 We have a big play on tonight's game, Dallas and Seattle. Just one place, ParamountSports.com. Terrific stuff as always. All right, Lee, enjoy the conversation. We'll do it again yep. with you next week. You too. See ya. Lee Sterling, folks, as we continue. Next up, Lane Frank and uh, special guest picker this week, Utah Volleyball Head Coach Ben Wallace. going to be a lot of fun. He'll be talking about the NIVC starting tomorrow for UTEP. Lane has a lot to get to, I am sure, especially what it was like to be at that Michigan game against Ohio State. We'll find out next. The Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. 25 now past the hour. All right, Ben Wallace will be here in a little bit. Practice, I think, is letting out at about uh, 5.30, he told me. So he should be here soon. In the meantime, we also have uh, from uh, Schoolyard Sports, the one and only Lane Frank. He's back with us for another go-around. Welcome back. And, uh, man, oh, man, coming back from that uh, Michigan-Ohio State, you've told me this was like the greatest trip of your entire life. Are we going to really say that? Man, it was really just the greatest day of my entire life. Greatest day of your life. Greatest day of my life. Better than your bar mitzvah. I would say so. Really? Wow, that is a uh, that's that's a big that's a big thing. All right. Um. So, uh, is it bigger than any tennis tournament you've ever won in your life? I think I won my first tournament about a year ago. This is definitely a better day. Really? That was definitely a better day. Better than the party you had that you wouldn't talk about on the radio station here a couple of weeks ago. Better. Better. I didn't say it was a party. I just said it was Duke. That's true. Oh, I shouldn't have opened my mouth, but I mean, all right. But I do know what happened to you then. At least I'm, I'm keeping that part under wraps. Um, I will ask you this question, okay? Is there any possible event that you have attended in your 15 years of living that compares to what watching that Michigan win over Ohio State was like on Saturday? Maybe the 2018 Big Ten tournament, Michigan versus Michigan State. I was at that game, mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden. Great win, great two days, getting to see Michigan in the quarterfinal, then the semifinal. Didn't get to see the final, but then got to see them in the Elite Eight that year versus Florida State. Got to watch them cut down the nets. That was a really great day. Final Four, now championship, went to that. That could have been the best day. Didn't win, though. So this was, right now for you, the best. Did you go on the, the field after the game and have a chance to celebrate with 110,000 uh, f- of your friends that were there? Way to fight the catch. Could not go on the field, but seemed great. Okay. The crowd was crazy. The crowd was crazy. Yeah. 110,000. I know. You sent me a picture. I sent you one. I sent you the, fl- the flyover photo, which I thought was amazing because it looked like a giant jet was right over the field. Espionage playing, they said. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So. They did the troll Ohio State. Well, that was, is that, was that the whole purpose? That was the whole purpose of it. Really? They wanted to troll Ohio State? With the spy plane. Ah, now I get it. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, by the way, the game was fun, too. Did anybody ever leave their seats, or was that pretty much, would you say people were just completely on the edge of their seats the entire game? Actually, one of my brother's friends left his seat and he didn't come back for a whole quarter. That's how big of a stadium it is. That's how big the line was. Nobody wanted to miss a snap. Oh, wow. All right. Gone for a quarter. That's a long time to be gone. Um, how was the weather? Great weather. 
It was like 15 degrees, but felt great. 15? Maybe even less. Really? I think the wind chill was like zero, but it felt great. Did you lose feeling in your body during the game? And my toes after the game, but still, it was so just wait a minute, you're telling the me best. That after the game, you lost feeling in your toes. You didn't lose feeling for three hours with like, like uh, so you, you sitting or standing? Tell me about it. I stand. I stood the whole game. I think I sat down maybe during some breaks, but um, yeah. On the car, on the walk back to the car, I couldn't feel my toes. But outside of that, it was a great day. That sounds amazing. Did you drink a beer at the game? Did not drink a beer at the game. No? Were they off? Did uh, your parents offer They don't sell beer at Michigan. They don't? They don't sell alcohol at Michigan. Really? Nope. I did not know that. They don't so need the money. So you can't go to a Michigan game and drink a beer? Nope. What do they do? They just drink soda? I guess so. I don't know. What'd you drink? Nothing. Not zero. Water. Water. It was a great day. All right. Do they have any good food at the Michigan games? You're not looking for the food. You're looking for the experience. You're at a football game. Well, I mean, I kind of when I go to a ballpark, I kind of want to see. Okay, what but I this is a Michigan football game. If you get from your seat for one second, I'm not going to be eating a pretzel watching third down long. Well, first off, it's 15 degrees, so let's be honest. What food could you possibly get that by the time you return to your seat is not ice cold? So really, if you think about that, that if unless you're eating ice cream, it defeats the purpose. True. Okay. I got it. And, uh, yeah, what do you do during halftime? That's 20 minutes of your time. What do you do then? Stood my seat the whole time. You, <laughs> you stood up during the halftime or you sit down? You no, know, they get a halftime show, so just stand there. Michigan band? Enjoy it. What the Michigan get ready band? The what did the Michigan band play at halftime? Hail to the victors. Okay. Bunch of stuff. That's fine. Meanwhile, now that the game ended, okay, let me ask you about this. Now that the Michigan game is over... Um, and they, you know, and, and they got the big, uh, they got the dub. Um, you think about this. They play Iowa here um, in Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Stadium, Saturday, 6 o'clock in the Big Ten Championship. Is this a trap game? You just came off of the most emotional no. roller coaster ever. You beat Ohio State. It's almost like you're figuring there has to be some kind of letdown against uh, the Hawkeyes this weekend. Absolutely not. I want this to be a destroy game for Michigan because I want Michigan to get back at Cade McNamara. Cade McNamara has been calling Michigan that team all week. He hasn't even referred to them as Michigan. Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara for a few years. Played at Michigan, transferred to Iowa, did some great stuff at Michigan. Now he likes to bash Michigan, J.J. McCarthy. He said, you know, some things are going on with J.J. Reason he didn't make captain this year. Some things going on over there that I won't go into detail about. Outside of that, this is a really terrible Iowa team. Yes, they're 10-2. They have an outstanding defense that's going to get exposed by Michigan. This offense doesn't know what a forward pass is. So, Cade's out. He got hurt. He's done. Right, it's Deacon Matt? Hill. Yeah, it's Deacon Hill, a quarterback. He's even worse. That's even. That's a, why would a guy that's injured talk trash? He's not even able to. Play. That's probably because because that's the type of person he is, and he's not going to play, which makes no sense. So why? So he's been talking trash um, all year, or just this past week? Really, all year, but especially this past week. I don't respect K. McNamara anymore. I love what he did. Twenty twenty one, beat Ohio State, saved the Michigan football program. Outside of that, I have nothing for K. McNamara. JJ McCarthy, flat out better. The only loss for Iowa this season, well, Penn State Two. beat them thirty-one uh, nothing, and then they lost uh, against Minnesota twelve to ten. The that loss to Minnesota was was a surprise. Definitely surprised. Definitely controversial. There was about a minute left in the game, and they ran a pump back for a touchdown, and they called it a fair catch. But really, he was just blocking out the sun. So that was a big controversy right there. They've been in a lot of tight games, not a lot of blowouts so far this year. The Big Ten West is horrible. That's why the Big Ten West can't get rid of. It's terrible. Okay, so I can imagine that Schoolyard Sports, are we on episode 147? 147, out right now. Wow.
We didn't even talk about what episode. I just have to, I just came up the I just came off the top of my head with that one, by the way. Uh so you talked, I'm sure, all about Michigan um and Ohio State. Did you show pictures of you on the show? No, did not show pictures of me at the game on the show, but last week had my big prediction worked out with five or six on my hot takes last week. Five or six. You were hot. You were hot on your hot takes. Only miss Louisville. Well, that was that's to be expected a little bit, yeah. but um, all right. So you're going to talk all about uh, this is about the college football uh, championship week. I'm sure you've got hot takes on everything. Any big upsets in college football this week? In I'm, your opinion, I'm going to go with no. I think Louisville has a chance to upset Florida State, but it doesn't happen. But I think the biggest upset might be on Selection Sunday when Florida State does not make the playoff as a 13-0 team. Really? Who do you think flip uh, flips over them? Okay, here's what my playoff would be: one Michigan. Two Georgia, you can flip that around. They're going to have one Georgia, two Michigan. I'll have it one Michigan, two Georgia. I think Oregon defeats Washington on Friday night, so they get the number three spot for me. I think Texas beats Oklahoma State. I think Florida State beats Louisville. And that comes down to Texas, 12-1, Washington, 12-1, Florida State, 13-0, Ohio State, 11-1. Before I give you my pick right here, there's never been a 12-1 team left out of the playoff. There's going to be two, potentially, this year, Texas and Washington, if that happens. I've never seen a 13-0 team left out of the playoff, and I've only seen it once where an 11-1 team was left out of the playoff. So it's an unprecedented year. It is. I think Texas gets that number four spot. But they got hosed this week. How do you think they make so much ground up? That's the CFP. For my rankings, I think they deserve number four spot over Florida State. You cannot tell me that Florida State team is better than Texas without Jordan Travis, that quarterback. Can't tell me they're better than Ohio State. Can't tell me they're better than Alabama. Can't tell me they're better than Oregon. Or Washington. Next question. What if, what if Alabama beats Georgia this week? Then Alabama's in and Georgia's in. No. You think Georgia's out if they lose to Alabama. You really think the CFP There's a big is gonna debate. keep is gonna keep Georgia out of the final four. Okay. You can have an Oregon Washington twelve one conference champ or thirteen oh Washington conference champ. They're automatically in. You can have a Michigan conference champ automatically in. You can have Alabama probably automatically in behind Texas, who beat them. So when you think about it, Texas beat Alabama, Alabama beat Georgia. Committee's going to have a decision to make. I think there's still a chance Alabama gets left out no if that chance. happens. No Alabama chance. could be number five. No way they could give happen. They could give Michigan number one, Oregon number two, Georgia number three, and Texas number four, and leave Alabama at number five. Not if they beat Georgia. There is no chance. You and can't you, put now, them above Texas. Now, do you really think Georgia can lose to Alabama and they will still get in over Alabama? Do you realize the controversy that would be? I think, I think if Alabama beats Georgia and Georgia gets in over Texas, then this whole system's rigged because then you think about it, well, Texas has the head-to-head over Alabama. Why would a school ever want to schedule a big out-of-conference game again if it's not going to be valued? You Texas just, went into Bryant-Denny Stadium and they shut down Alabama. Think about what you just said. The system is rigged. I agree with that. I think that's the problem. I think that's the issue at hand. That's why they're expanding to 12 teams next year. So we won't have these dilemmas to deal with like we have potentially this year. Sure, you can say right now, Alabama's a better team than Texas. You play right now on neutral site, Alabama wins that game. I don't disagree with you, but Alabama had a night game at home. Bryant Denny Stadium versus Texas just a few months ago. And they lost that game. They did. By two possessions. Mm-hmm. They were, you can't put Alabama over Texas. You cannot do it. Now, Texas lost to Oklahoma. And Oklahoma is not even in the Big 12 championship game. So you think about that. So that's the knock for Texas. And they, as good as they played against Alabama, 
have, you know, their, their loss is a worse loss than Alabama's loss. Let's be honest. Alabama's loss came to Texas. Texas' loss came to Oklahoma. And if Alabama beats Georgia, I don't see any way possible Alabama is left out. I think you're going to have Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, and then uh, potentially Washington. But the question's going to be, what if Washington beats Oregon, so they're undefeated, Florida State wins against Louisville, so they're undefeated. Michigan beats Iowa, so they're still undefeated. And then Alabama beats Georgia. Now you've got a mess. Adrian, I want you to sort this out for us because you're listening to Lane. You're listening to me. I got to get your take on the craziness that is championship week. Yeah, the the word was used right now. I think the better word maybe is flawed. This system is flawed. I, I think if everybody could uh, expedite it to next year where there's 12 teams in it, everybody would feel great. But that's the issue with this. Next year we're going to have a debate on a, a Louisville or a uh, maybe like Oklahoma State. Why aren't they the 12th team getting in? And that's what's going to happen continuously in college football. I think this is an unprecedented year. I do feel like the college football committee will side with the SEC regardless. So if Alabama wins, both them and Georgia get in. And I don't. I agree with Lane. I don't think that's right. I think Texas showed that they're the better team. And hey, look, they were a drive at the end of the game against uh, Oklahoma away from winning this or going undefeated. I think it's a bit ridiculous that Texas gets left out of the playoff. I think the ranking right now is ridiculous. It now is. my rankings. I have Oregon above Texas. I regret making that decision. Why'd you make it? If you were, hang on. If you regret making it, why did you make it? Can't go back on now, but I had it because think about it. Oregon beat Texas Tech yeah. by eight points. Texas should beat them by fifty. Okay. See this man that just walked in the door. That's Ben Wallace, head coach of the Utah volleyball team. When we come back, he's going to go head-to-head and pick against you, all right? I'm I'm excited about that. He also has a big, big announcement to make, uh, which will be tomorrow and uh, also Saturday at Memorial Gym. We'll do that next as we continue right here. It's Sports Talk, Schoolyard Sports, Lane Frank, Ben Wallace here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Ball head coach, the one and only Ben Wallace. Grab that microphone, coach. I have that a little closer to you. Good to see you, and uh, thanks for being here today. I always enjoy being here, man. This is fun for me to get out of the gym and get up here and talk some sports and uh, also talk a little bit about our match on uh, Friday and hopefully Saturday. There you go. By the way, congratulations, NIVC. You're uh, hosting uh, this year, and I remember what that was like a couple seasons ago for you, and now we get the magic back again starting tomorrow uh, Starting yeah, tomorrow on Absolutely. Friday. Yes, sir. Yeah, we got four really good volleyball teams here in uh, El Paso, uh, two from the uh, uh, the AAC, the Atlantic um, Coast Conference that uh, not the ACC, but the AAC that they left Conference USA a couple of years, well, last year uh, in North Texas and Florida Atlantic, and then we also have a really good volleyball team from uh, UT Arlington in, in the the WAC, and so three twenty win teams and a really athletic, crazy athletic seventeen win. You have a UNT Maya Mean Green team that'll be here on Friday. Lane, I want, you've got to check out these uh, some volleyball matches at Memorial Gym. It's so different than anything you've probably ever been to as far as what UTEP sports is like. Definitely, y'all check it out. Let's talk about the times for uh, both tomorrow and uh, Saturday as well, Coach. Yeah, the first uh, matchup is at 5 p.m., and that's UT Arlington versus uh, Florida Atlantic. Two 21 teams beating it up uh, against each other. And then we would play uh, UNT at 7.30 p.m., 
And uh, we've already sold over 1,800 tickets, I think they told me. Wow. So they're looking to have anywhere from 2,500 to 3,000 people in Memorial again, which is huge, man. That is huge. And then uh, Saturday, let's assume you uh, can get past uh, UNT. What times would the Saturday matches be? Saturday match would be at 2 p.m. And uh, the the ticket that you buy on Friday will get you into both matches. So you get to watch two quality volleyball teams or two quality volleyball matchups against four really good teams. And then on Saturday, that uh, second-round matchup will be at 2 p.m. And then that's going to be another another barn burner, man. That's going to be a really good college volleyball game. $10 tickets. That is about as it's great awesome. That's as great a deal as you're going to find anywhere. Yeah, it really is. All these teams in the NIBC are top-level RPI teams. These are teams that just didn't get an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament or were second – uh, in their conference championships, so a lot of the, we get an at-large bid uh, for finishing second in the regular season, and then yeah. uh, losing in the, the semifinals to Western Kentucky. So it's all really good top-level volleyball teams. How do you match up with North Texas? We match up really well. This is probably the most athletic team we faced all year, and that's saying something because we faced some really good teams. But we're crazy athletic. We've got you know right now nine players on our team that can touch ten feet or above. Nine, nine, nine of our young athletes are touching the, the rim or above. And uh, UNT has just as athletic a team. They're crazy athletic and they're long. Uh, we know them. They know us. We have a couple of friends. A couple of our girls are friends with them on the yeah. team because we used to battle against each other in the conference. So it'll be a, it'll be a good matchup. We're both in the similar offensive systems, but it's going to be high flying physical game. Get your tickets now, just because uh, they're going fast. Yeah. $10 will get you into both matches tomorrow, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock, and then you can go back and uh, uh, go Saturday and uh, for 10 bucks, go watch that game at 2 o'clock. Yeah, Friday, 5, five on, uh, uh, on Friday and then 7.30 mm-hmm. at, uh, on Friday. But I'm telling you, uh, if you wait too long to get a ticket, you might not get one. Uh, so it's going to be packed and it's going to be loud in there. And people keep talking to me about playing in, in the dawn, and I ask them why, because Memorial is an awesome home environment for us, and we got crazy Memorial maniacs in there. I love the fact that when you walk in, you get those old wooden seats like the 60s. They mm-hmm. haven't, they've never touched those seats. They're still shined and polished, and you could actually sit on the same chair back that they did in 1966 when they were watching that, U- that the Texas Western Championship team. Yeah, and the, be- the better we do, the more we continue. Each year, we've continued to grow our, uh, our fan base, and it gets bigger and bigger. Those wooden seats Hopefully we'll we'll keep some of them as as relics and also yeah, some yeah. historic stuff. But we're going to turn those bad boys into some soft chairs for the the fans to get uh, get up in there and enjoy a volleyball game in. Love it. All right, you guys ready to pick games? Ready. Let's do it. Here let's we go. It. The way this works is I give you the matchup. I'll give you the point spread just for entertainment purposes only, and then you just pick the winner straight up. We'll start with the game tonight. It's going to be uh, about twenty five minutes from now. Kicking off Seahawks and Cowboys out there at AT and T Stadium in Arlington. Cowboys are eight and three undefeated at home. Five and zero. Oh. Seahawks are two and three on the road. Six and five overall Dallas nine and a half point favorites all right coach start us off on this one yeah I think this is a tough one to pick for me uh but the the fact that the Cowboys are at home uh, that gives them the edge so I'd choose the Cowboys on this one I've said the past few weeks now that Seattle's full of frauds I don't think they make the playoffs I think Geno Smith is falling off a cliff right now Dallas is on a roll let's go Cowboys all right, that takes us now to the Sunday games. Let's get going. Falcons and Jets, five and six. Atlanta, one and four on the road. Jets are four and seven, two and four at home. It's at East Rutherford at MetLife, and uh, the Falcons, two point road favorites. Lane, Jets are in dire need of a win. I think they get a win right here because they're got, they got something to fight for. They need to get in some playoff position before Aaron Rodgers comes back. If he does, say he's only going to come back if they're in playoff position. They need that. I think Robert Sala better not start Tim Boyle in this one. He looked terrible last week. I think Zach Wilson 
Gives you the best chance to win, no matter how much you hate them. Jets over the Falcons. Coach? Yeah, I, I want to pick the Jets here because you're right. They they really need to win to to give themselves any chance to get Aaron Rodgers back on the field. But unfortunately, Boyle's starting this game, I'm sure of it. And I'm going to pick the Falcons here. All right. That takes us to the next one. Colts and Titans out there at Nashville and Nissan Stadium. The Titans are 4-7, and seven, but they're 4-1 and one at home. Uh, the Colts are 6-5. and five. They are 4-1 and one on the road. Indy, Coach, a one-point road favorite. Yeah, this might be the toughest one to pick of the entire uh, weekend. And, uh, you know, the Titans have started to find a little bit of momentum uh, with, the new, you know, with the new quarterback in there. I, I, I feel at home they're going to have a little tiny edge here. This is like a 13-10 to 10 score for me, so the Titans go here. Okay. I agree with you on this one. I think the Colts have done a great job since Anthony Richardson has gone down. I thought that was at the end of their season, but right now they have a winning record. I just think without Jonathan Taylor for the next two weeks with that thumb injury, Titans coming off a win. Let's go Tennessee. Chargers, Patriots are next. The Pats are awful. Two and nine overall, one and five at home. They can't figure out a quarterback. Chargers are four and seven, having an equally disappointing season. They're two and three on the road. Yet, Lane, they find themselves a five and a half point uh, road favorite in this one. Someone's got to win this game. I think the Chargers <laughs> are a great team with a horrible record. I mean, you give them a competent head coach, you give them some competent things around them. This could be one of the best teams in the NFL, even though they have a four and seven record. Chargers over the Patriots. Yeah, All right. That was an easy one to choose. This is the Chargers too. Patriots are reeling. They have no continuity whatsoever, and uh, this might be the end of the Bill Belichick era in uh, in Foxborough. So Chargers in this one. Let's keep it going. Detroit's eight and three, four and one on the road. They're visiting uh, Caesars Superdome in New Orleans, taking on a five and six Saints team who are two and two at home. Uh, Detroit four and a half point favorites on the road. What do you think? Coach, you know I, I this is a this is one where I feel like I should lean to the Saints because the Lions have been having to make comebacks the last couple of weekends. Uh, you know they've gotten down early in the last two uh, two mat or two games, and I feel like the Saints are a bad matchup for them. So I'm going to choose the Saints here, even though Detroit's uh, got got the line. All right, Jared Goff's played terrible the past few games, but I think bounce back right here. They're four and one on the road. They get to five and one. Lions nine three in the season. They win. All right. That takes us next to the Cardinals. They're two and ten, winless on the road, going to Pittsburgh to take on a seven and four Steelers team who are four and two at home. Uh, again, five and a half point favorites uh, for Pittsburgh. What do you think, Lane? Everyone likes staying in the Steelers, including me. But when you look at it, they're about to have an eight and four record after a win this week. Whether it's an easy schedule, whether it's having a great defense and a really bad offense, like the offense did some great things last week. Four hundred yards, first time in about three years they had that. Steelers over the Cardinals. All right. Yeah, easy pick here. Steelers uh, found a little bit of continuity offensively last week, and they're feeling better at home. And this is one of those games where it, you, you look at it and the Cardinals just don't have much of a chance here with the instant Steelers. I'm going to give you a layup, Ben. That's the Commanders at home uh, taking on the 8-3 and three Dolphins. The Commanders are 4-8 and eight, overall, 1-4 and four at uh, FedEx Field in Landover. As you would expect, Miami 9.5-point road favorites. Yeah, I think this one will be closer than it, it seems based on how badly the Commanders are kind of dismantling their team but uh, they have a quality defense even though they've kind of shopped everybody away so Dolphins win this but it'll be closer than anybody thinks I agree with you I think it's gonna be a close game unlike Steve thinking it's a layup let's go with the Dolphins over the Commanders Commanders they've done some good things two games against the Eagles both were shootouts bad game against the Cowboys but they don't bounce back Dolphins over the Commanders all right when we return we'll do the two o'clock games and uh, we also have the Sunday night and the Monday night so five games left to pick here for week 13 of the NFL. We've got Lane Frank, the host of the Schoolyard Sports Podcast, episode 147, drops today. Meanwhile, 
Ben Wallace, uh, head coach of the UTEP volleyball team. Uh, they are back in action tomorrow night and hopefully on Saturday. 7.30 tomorrow, taking on North Texas. The second half of the doubleheader for the NIVC out at Memorial Gym. And as you heard, 1,800 tickets have been sold. All right, back with more in a moment. Jumping the gun at 600 ESPN El Paso. <laughs> That is going to be an electric environment out there at Memorial Gym. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in talking to Sam a little bit yesterday, we've been averaging around like four or 500 walk-ups for our matches at home this, this year. So if you're, you know, if you're having two matches of quality volleyball teams of people that are close to, you know, UT Arlington and, and uh, you know, UNT that are coming from a not a long way away, yeah, uh, I would expect four or 500 people walking up for our match too. And so... Uh, I I would not be shocked to see well over 2,000 people in the stands tomorrow. That is so cool. Good for you. All right. We've got a total of five games left. You're picking with um, Mr. Schoolyard Sports himself. That's Lane Frank. By the way, Lane, did you talk at all about who you would like to have the next UTEP football head coaching job during Schoolyard Sports podcast this week? Did not talk about it on Schoolyard Sports, but, you know, definitely some good candidates out there. Anybody that you really like you would like to see uh, take over the minors? I've heard Eric Price. As a candidate, I've heard offense coordinator for UNLV. You told me about that one. Brendan Marion. Yep. I've heard about Jeff Grimes at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Fairly people definitely get for the job. Will Stein, Oregon offense coordinator. That's That's been my uh, my number one pick. But I'll tell you this much. My number one is Will Stein. My number two is Brendan Marion. I'd love Eric Price. There's a lot of guys I would like to see with this job. So I hopefully, when it's all said and done, uh, the Miners get someone that uh, can absolutely take this program to uh, to another level. Um, and, and the man next to you is just an example of that. When you took over the volleyball program, uh, the Miners were, were in a world of hurt. And uh, it didn't take long for you to turn that program around. Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, leaving this stuff up to, uh, to Jim and to, to Julie and Danny, all these guys that are in our administration, they did a really good job with a big hire like Joe Golding last time uh, when, when that happened. They chose a really good person for the job in our basketball program. They chose somebody that fit the, the city. Uh, the need of the city to you know to be a, just a grinder, someone who comes to work every day. They bring the lunch pail. He's got a lot of energy, young guy who's turned another program around and into a winner. And so, you know, I trust those guys in our administration to to choose somebody that fits really well with El Paso because this is a tough job. Uh, it's a job that I think is going to need some big time energy and some big time, uh, you know, hard work in in uh, especially knowing that a lot of our guys are on the portal right now you know but i trust those guys are going to choose the right person for the job and get in here and, uh, and start putting their uh, hard hat on and getting to work i love it well that's what it's all about and i wouldn't be surprised if we get an announcement uh, by this time next week or, or the weekend we'll see what happens it'll be good all right let's get back to the games we got one more 11 o'clock game to talk about that's the texans and broncos broncos are six and five they are two and two on the road texans are six and five four and two at home it's in houston at nrg stadium and houston Three and a half point home favorites. Um, let's go uh, first uh, to you, Lane, and get it started. I'm going to go with the Broncos. Route the hot hand. Sean Payton gets after rookie quarterback. CJ Stroud, Broncos, keep it rolling. All right. What about you, Coach? Yeah, you know, it's the uh, first time in NFL history that a, a rookie quarterback's thrown for 300 yards, uh, I think, four games in a row. And he's really impressive. I mean, he CJ Stroud was just a stud. Uh, I do think this is a super close game. I think the fact that they're at home, they've been playing really well at home in Houston. I think they get a I get, they get the win here on a on a game winning field goal. All right, so uh, coach will take Texans and Lane will take the Broncos. Now let's go to the two o'clock games, and uh, we'll start it with the Panthers and the Bucks. Panthers are one and ten, winless on the road. Bucks are four and seven, two and three at home. It's in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium, 
And Coach, Tampa Bay, five-point home favorites. Yeah, I think anybody picking against the Panthers right now is the way to go. I mean, uh, the, the Buccaneers are just going to move these guys around uh, pretty easily. They're struggling. There's not a lot of continuity on the offensive line for the Panthers, so I'd pick the Bucks here. Lane? Yeah, Bronte, Bron- uh, excuse me. Buccaneers can still win. Division title. Let's go with the Buccaneers. Get a nice one over the Panthers. All right. Carry it over to the Browns and the Rams. This game will be a good one from Inglewood and SoFi. Browns are 7-4. and 2-3 and three on the road. Rams are 5-6. and 2-3 and three at home. Rams by 3.5 at home. Man, this Browns team really just reminds me of last year's Tennessee Titans. That Titans team was 7-3. and three. Ryan Tannehill goes down. They don't win a game for the rest of the season. Browns team 7-3. and three. Deshaun Watson goes down. Now they're 7-4. and four. Dorian Thompson-Robinson at quarterback. Rams... Coming off back-to-back wins, they beat the Seahawks, they beat the Cardinals, they get a win this week over the Browns. Coach? Yeah, I think the Browns are a little bit in a dicey situation here. I think the Thompson kid it might still be out with a concussion. I'm not sure if Joe yeah. Flacco is going to have to play this one or not. And if he is, I would definitely have to lean towards the Rams. Either way, I think the Rams win this. They're playing pretty well, and they're starting to get healthier at the right time, so i choose the Rams here too. All right, get ready for another one, Coach, because here we go. 49ers and Eagles, game of the week. Ooh. Philly is 10-1, and 5-0 and at home. 49ers 8-3, and 4-2 and on the road. It's in Philadelphia, Lincoln Financial Field, yet San Francisco, three-point road favorites. Yeah, you know, it's been interesting watching the Eagles find ways to win this year. I think that's a real testament of a team that – uh, that's a champion and that's a winner is finding ways to win. I thought they were done for last week against Buffalo and they just came back and found a way to fight. But they've been living on the edge a little bit, just like my Chiefs had been all year. And so uh, I think that the 49ers went here on the road. All right. Eagles, everyone likes to say that, oh, they're the luckiest team in football. They get these ones. They get these ones. They lost to the Jets. I say it's more of finding a way to win than being lucky. But they're a great team. They're 10-1. and You know how I am, how high I am, though, on San Francisco 49ers. I love this team, San Francisco 49ers. My preseason Super Bowl pick. Everyone liked to write them off because they had three bad weeks. Three bad weeks in a row, and that's why they have three losses. They've bounced back from it. They're still the best team in the NFL. Niners over the Eagles. Next up, Sunday night game, Chiefs and Packers. Packers 5-6, and 3-2 and two at home. Chiefs 8-3, and 4-1 and one on the road. In Lambeau, KC, six-point road favorites. Packers have some mojo. Great one on Thanksgiving last week. On a long week this week, playing on Thursday last week. They don't win this one, though. Chiefs. Close game over the Packers. All right. Yeah, I do, too, think it's going to be a close game. This is the first time since the Derek Thomas, Neil Smith defensive eras of the of the Chiefs of old where they got a legitimate defense that can just push people around. And Jordan Love's not a rookie, but they, they, they're going to they're gonna find ways to frustrate him and bother him. And they're going to win a close game in a weather situation in Lambeau, you know, which is not a problem these days with a good defense. So Chiefs win the, a close game over the Packers at Lambeau. One more, boys, and that's the Bengals and Jaguars. Bengals are 5-6, and 2-3 and three on the road. Jags are 8-3, and 3-3 three, three and three at home. It's the Monday night game. Jacksonville, 8.5-point favorites over the Bengals. What do you think, Coach? Uh, but, you know, the Bengals are in trouble. Without Joe Flacco, I mean, Joe Flacco, without, without uh, Joe Cool, they've had struggles offensively, and they're just kind of losing a lot of their, their feel for, for you know, winning this division, and they're getting further and further away from it. So the Jags are rolling. They've got a, a very complete team. I think this is, a, is, this is an easy Jags win, I'd say, by 10, 10 points on, uh, on Monday night. Okay. Jaguars have had a great turnaround since having Urban Myers, the head coach, two years ago. I think they win this game right here. Go at 9-3. Tough for the Bengals. They're going to have Jake Browning starting this one. Jake Browning is ridiculously good in college at Washington. Hasn't made noise in the NFL. Still won't make noise. Jacksonville over the Bengals. Excellent job, you two. Appreciate you both being here. Enjoyed it. Coach, tomorrow night, Saturday, going to be a great weekend for volleyball. Hopefully just the beginning of what's going to be a fun, fun December for you. Absolutely. You know, and I've been telling my team all week that there's only two teams in uh, the sport of college volleyball that get to win 
uh, the the last game of the year and don't end the year on a loss. And that's the national champion in the NCAA tournament and the champion of the NIBC. And so that's the goal. We want to go win this tournament. Starts with a, a win on Friday to get to one and zero, and then we'll kind of go, you know, uh, survive in advance from there. But uh, it's going to be a really exciting game. It's you're you're watching elite level athletes on Friday, and you will not be disappointed if you've not come and seen our our team play. Appreciate it. Come back and see us again soon, Coach. Anytime, my man. Meanwhile, Lane, awesome stuff. River Oaks Properties brings you here every week. Schoolyard Sports Episode 147 drops today. Drops today. All podcast platforms. Great episode. Talking college ball playoff. NBA in-season tournament. A lot more. Go tune in. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, Steve. Cowboys, Seahawks. It's coming up next, folks, right here. 600 ESPN El Paso.